Welcome to the Meat and Potatoes Podcast, a Silicon Slopes production. Meat and Potatoes shines a light on the people in Silicon Slopes who get things done. We explore how, why, and when they get those things done, and why their work is the meat and potatoes of Utah's tech and business community. Today we're joined by McKay Allen, who's the Director of Global Digital Marketing for Ivanti. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Garrett. You bet. You're well-dressed. I, I <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, it's funny. So I, I was in TV news when I graduated from – I graduated from BYU in journalism and then worked in TV news as an on-air reporter and anchor for four years. And so I got used to wearing a jacket every day. So even now, I get made fun of every day at work by those who work for me and those who I work for. <laughs> <laughs> they always ask me every day, how did my job interview go? You know, like <laughs> – Yeah. Because <laughs> I wear a jacket, so <laughs> – well, it's a good-looking jacket. We've got an intern here who inexplicably just dresses to the nines. There you go. You just won't stop. And so <laughs> he we, won't stop. We all look like slobs, and he looks really put together. So good for you. All right. So has there been any news about Imante in the last 24 hours? Big news, actually. So we broke ground on a new headquarters Tuesday. We broke ground. 48 hours. So 48 hours. Yeah, huge deal for us. So Imante used to be Landesk, which a lot of people in the market know has been around for 30-plus years but we rebranded the company about 18 months ago after a series of acquisitions to Avanti. So we're among the biggest companies in Silicon Slopes. We're, we're about $500 million a year in revenue, about 1,900 employees globally, more employees outside of the U.S. than inside the U.S., but we're headquartered in South Jordan. So our new building is going to be right next to that Lucid and Moment building right off 106 South on the what would be west side of I-15. Building will look from the outside like a clone of that building, right next to it, right by the South Jordan Front Runner Station. So cool. pretty excited. The building we're in now is right down off the hill there. I think the building's been there for 20-plus years, so we're pretty excited to have a brand-new building. Very cool. And that's scheduled to be done in two years? Probably? Yeah, March of 2020 is when uh, what we're being told. Very cool. So how many employees are in Utah? I think we have four to 500 here in Utah that work out of the office here. And are you guys a conglomerate that does a lot of stuff, or are you guys focused on certain industries or verticals? Yeah, good question. So we sell IT software into large enterprises predominantly. So if you have an IT department and you have more than 500 or so employees and 1,000 or more employees, more of our sweet spot, you use us or one of our competitors. So it's, it's basically software that makes IT run and allows IT to function on a day-to-day basis. So everything from pushing software updates to computers without shutting them down to isolating and remediating in case of a security attack, patching so you avoid security risks, to managing software and hardware assets, to service tickets, all that kind of stuff our software does. And uh, we do it for some of the biggest companies in the world. We've been around for a long time and do a good job at it. So a lot of companies really depend. Our software is less of a want-to-have and more of a need-to-have. Companies at a certain size have to use these enterprise-level IT software. And your role as Director of Global Digital Marketing. Let's just get into the meat and potatoes. Let's do it. How do you kind of structure your work day? Yeah, good morning tonight. Yeah, yeah, good question. So I report up to the CMO, Steve Morton, and uh, I have a team under me that has kind of five functional groups. So I have a a senior web manager who reports up to me. So his team of front-end and back-end developers manage our global web properties. I think we have 14 websites in 11 languages that roll up through him. Then we have a campaign manager who manages all the blog content, social media content, email content, campaign content, ad content, just all the writing. He worked with me in TV news, and he manages a team as well. We have a Marcom manager who actually sits in um, England who manages our internal webinar series, 
has started to do a lot more with customer case studies, that kind of thing. She's awesome from here, but she's working in England out of our London office for a year, which is kind of a cool opportunity when you're at a global company. Yeah. And then I also have another digital marketing lead in, in EMEA. And then we have a demand gen manager who just joined the company from InsideSales.com, actually, who just joined us. And his team is in charge of lead gen, right? Making sure the emails are actually sent out, making sure that we get leads through PPC, content syndication, the other sources. So, you know, what's funny is the team has grown through acquisition and through other methods, right? The day-to-day has changed. I'm in a lot of budget discussions and pipeline discussions and that kind of stuff. But the thing that I do every Monday morning, and I'd recommend this to people, it's helped me stay organized, is the one thing I don't like when I'm being managed by somebody is just a random email from the boss eight times a week that's like, hey, do this, hey, do this. And so I make a concerted effort every Monday morning of sending a list to each one of my five team leads of the things that are on my mind, like the top priorities. Now, that's not their to-do list, right? It's not my dictation of what they need to do that week, but it's hey, here's the things that are on my mind, and I send that out every Monday. So that way, if I think of something on a Thursday afternoon, I don't just fire off an email and ruin their whole workflow. I write it down, and I save it for my next Monday morning email, and they know to get that. And so that's how I've kind of structured the week. And then I help my team where they need it. So I just got an email from my campaigns guy. Hey, can you help me write three or four emails for this campaign? I'm finishing up this other thing, so I'll help him write that. It's a matter of managing your team's priorities, helping them understand the budget and the pipeline needs that the business has and providing full transparency and making sure that we execute to what the business needs us to do on the digital marketing side. And how did you learn how to do all of those kind of acronyms that you just mentioned, PPC, (laughs) Demand Gen, Marcom? Did you just kind of learn those over time? Do you still have to make a concerted effort to keep up with all the different trends? Yeah, that's a good question. As I said, I was in TV news for four years after I graduated from BYU. And then I went to work for a startup called Converza, which was at the time based in St. George, now is up here in Draper. And I was, for a while, kind of the demand gen guy for everything. So I was doing everything from writing blog posts, writing white papers, writing content on the website, to managing LinkedIn ads, Facebook ads, Twitter ads, AdWords ads, myself. And so you kind of learn at a startup everything, right, from metrics to budgeting to high-level business metrics, low-level cost-per-click stuff, right? So, man, working for five, what was it, five years, whatever, at a startup, you learn every single thing you could learn about a business. And then going to a much more mature business and larger company with Avanti, I've been able to transfer those skills over. How do you guys leverage technology, either brand new technology or old technology to communicate with your team to get things done and just make sure work is flowing. Yeah, so we use Slack on my team. So we're on Slack constantly back and forth, especially with teams that are distributed, right? Like I've got two folks in EMEA, my campaigns guys in Seattle, my web manager and demand gen manager, both at headquarters, but they've got team members everywhere. So yeah, Slack's big for us and just constant communication, right? We have a team meeting every Monday morning, Right after I send out my list of priorities to each team lead, we have a team meeting. The team managers will hold stand-ups with their team, and it's constant communication. That's the key, and being willing to dive in and jump in even when priorities change or things shift. But, yes, Slack's big for us, and we use it constantly. Do you guys like meetings? Do you avoid meetings like the plague? Is it an open floor space? Do you guys have offices? How does it look and feel? 
Yeah, it's, it's cubicles in the middle area and then the outside are offices. What's funny, my philosophy on meetings, right? Everybody says they hate meetings and then everybody finds themselves in a lot of meetings. And so sometimes I do think you just it's good to sit down and talk with people about it. But the thing that's funny is I find after every meeting, the most effective thing is to send out the recap of the meeting with the to-do items. Yeah. So I think it is a constant battle, right? You've got to have that face-to-face contact, but at the same time, the work actually gets done after the fact via email and back and forth when you're sitting at your desk. So yeah. I've learned, and this is probably something I've just learned in the last year, that sometimes you just say, no, I'm not going to that meeting, right? You've just got to make sure you have a couple hours at least every day to actually work, yeah. <laughs> do some work. Yeah. That becomes difficult, but I think sometimes you just got to say, no, it's, the more important thing is for me to get these tasks on my to-do list done today. How do you guys work with being an international company, do you find that enjoyable or is that something that you wish could be improved? No, you know what? It has challenges, but it's the way it is, right? We're a global company. We have almost as much revenue outside the U.S. as we do in the U.S. We have more companies outside of the U.S. than we do in the U.S. And so it's uh, just part of doing business in today's world, right? So it does pose some interesting challenges with time zones and making sure you can find times for people to meet and discuss things. And then also my team's in charge of the global content. So a lot of the analogies that my team of writers might use in an email that will work in a nurture path here in the U.S., the baseball analogy doesn't work in the U.K. or in, in Germany, right? So Or in Australia. So you've got to be cognizant of those types of things. But uh, Overall, it's it's great. I think working for a global company is awesome. You get a lot of opportunity to travel. You get to meet people from different cultures. You get to expose them to Silicon Slopes, right? That's the cool part is we've got sales leaders and marketing leaders and customer service leaders who come from all over the world to Salt Lake a couple times a year. Yeah. And they get to see the area. They get to experience Salt Lake, and then they come back on vacation. They bring their families. They come and ski. They do whatever. So it's good for, I think, the area and for people who work at Avanti and other big companies that we can go and see different parts of the world and meet people. A common pain point felt across all of Silicon Slope's small companies as well as big established ones is recruiting and talent. What are some of your takeaways as you know, running and hiring a team that work and don't work when it comes to incentivizing people? Yeah, that's a good question. So I think recruiting and incentivizing are kind of separate. So I'll, I'll address the recruiting piece first. So Right now, it's an interesting environment to recruit in because it's hot. There's a lot of jobs out there. And if you're talented and currently employed, it's hard to pry people away. One of the things we've seen, right, is we talk about the new building. A lot of people don't know who Avanti is, right? We've been around for a long time. We're really profitable. We aren't quite as flashy as some other companies in the market. And so we're not top of the list when people think about places they want to work. But then when they learn about Avanti and they're like, oh, wow, they're really stable and they've been around for a long time. And I might get to go to England once a year. And wow, it's cool. So it's about education. And we actually think having the building right along I-15 is really going to help. A nice new building actually means a lot, especially to the younger, and I guess everybody too, right? So we're excited about that. We've not had an issue with recruiting locally. It's just a matter of educating people. And then I think incentivizing, honestly, it's it's just about open communication. I just think people want to be treated like a person and you're in it together with your team. That's the main thing is if people need extra motivation to be motivated, it's not the person you want on your team anyway, right? You want someone who's going to work hard and be a big part of the team's success. What do you guys do with hiring junior talent out of college? How do you deal with that skills gap? Yeah. 
You know what? We've not seen a huge issue with my team, right? Like we hire a lot of people right out of college for like our SDR team and our BDR team. But man, we've not had to deal with much of a skills gap. My philosophy, and I mentioned our Marcom manager who now is in England, who's over there for a year working for us over there. I think she had done marketing at like a small chain of tanning salons, if I remember right. But we interviewed her and she was just super smart and awesome. So we decided to hire her, even though she'd never done any work in software or marketing at all. And she's just a rock star, right? She's turned our webinar series, which was kind of a thing that people wanted to get rid of because it took so much time from the product teams to execute, to now something that last quarter, I think 31% of our total global revenue had at one point or another gone through those webinars. And so just hire smart people and the skills take care of themselves. So in a marketing department as big as you guys is, it sounds like there's a fair amount of, you have to be a decent writer. Yeah. You have to understand the the basics of digital marketing at this point. You know, there's how many platforms that you guys use, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Right. pretty long list. What would you encourage folks to, as they're kind of polishing and sharpening their sword for job interviews, what stands out when you're looking at a resume or when you're interviewing a candidate? Gosh, that's a good question. So I actually look at the questions someone asks me more than I look at the answers they provide, right? If someone gives really good answers and then when I say, do you have any questions for me? They're like, no, you don't have any questions. This is the thing that is going to pay your mortgage and you have no questions for me. (laughs) Like that's concerning. (laughs) So you should be asking about the business. You should be asking about lead flow, how they get leads, what happens to the leads, what is the revenue of the company? What's the profitability company? What's the company look like in three to five? I truly look at the questions that someone asked me as far more important than the answers to the questions I asked them because anybody can close their eyes and find their way through an answer to a question. Yeah. It's really the questions they're asking that I think are the most important. So Avanti is, and just correct me if I'm wrong, they've kind of grown through M&A. Yeah, yeah we've grown organically as well, but um, M&A has certainly been a focus. And is that going to continue, you think, or will it change directions again and – I think so. I mean, uh, you know, I'm I'm not in charge or whatever, but I think, yeah, it's certainly part of our growth strategy going forward. And we've acquired, I think, 12 companies since 2012, if my number's right. I was actually joking with our creative director today. He made the graphic that shows the acquisition tree, kind of. Oh, cool. And he literally was like, crap, I can't remember all these companies on the list here. We were trying to think through them. And so it's been a lot of acquisitions over the years, but they all fit really nicely into our portfolio for IT software and uh, allow us to be a major player in each of the markets that we're in. And it's allowed us to grow our teams organically without having to hire and stuff. So it's been great. Okay. So if you could just hit really quickly on, you you buy a company and they've got their marketing people, you've got yours, right? Usually. Yeah. How does that go? Have you seen the fight scene from Anchorman? That's usually what we do. We just meet in the parking lot. No. um, Escalates quickly. That escalated quickly. (laughs) Should go into hiding brick. Um, No. So, you know, it depends, right? Sometimes there's overlapping. I mean, we know how the dirty side of mergers and acquisitions, right? Sometimes if there's overlapping talent, those people end up being phased out of the business. But usually it's a net benefit for the whole marketing team. We've gotten really good talent from the acquisitions we've done. One of the things that my boss, the CMO, says a lot is when we have an acquisition to the people who've been acquired is don't fire yourself. Don't just freak out because there was an acquisition and quit. Stick it out because usually you'll find yourself in a much better situation with an opportunity to have a whole new experience, right? Where before you may have been at a $50 million company with a couple of responsibilities, suddenly you find yourself in the same role at a $500 million company and you're 
whole career trajectory changes. So in that situation, don't fire yourself too early. And I think that's really good advice. Yeah. Let's shift gears a little bit and let's talk about one of your altruistic side hustles. Not really a (laughs) hustle, but side projects. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you're involved with the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation? Yes, I am. Yep. So I sit on the board for the State Cystic Fibrosis Foundation and it's personally important. So I have two boys, two sons, my wife and I. We have a seven-year-old son and we have a four-year-old son. And our seven-year-old son is just like a big, strapping, bruiser, totally healthy kid. Our four-year-old was diagnosed with cystic fibrosis when he was a newborn. And when the newborn screening, when they come in and they take your child's blood and they test it, that's one of the things they're testing for. So we didn't know it's a genetic disease. My wife and I are both carriers and we didn't know that, of course. So when you're carriers, you have, I think it's a 50-50 chance of your kids having it. And so our first does not, our second does. So essentially what that means is it's a shortened lifespan. Until the 90s, the lifespan was below 10 years old. There are some new medications that were developed in the 90s that extended that. So when Evan was born, our four-year-old, life expectancy I think was 31 five years ago. Now it's been pushed up to 41 due to a lot of advancements. So One of the things that we're doing, though, and the reason that I wanted to come and talk to you today, Garrett, is because one of the things that the foundations are doing across the country is they're having professional development events. They're saying, look, how can we educate more people on what CF is and help them understand more about it? Not to raise funds, but just to educate. And so we've worked with you guys to help promote, but then also with four local CEOs. So Steve Daly, the CEO of Avanti, Rob Nelson, CEO of Grow.com. Carl Sun, the CEO of Lucid, and then Brock Blake, the CEO of Lindio, to put together a CEO panel for free. It's September 26th at noon at the Lucid uh, headquarters right off 106 South. We'll have free lunch for everybody, and we'll do a CEO panel. We'll all moderate it. We're going to just talk to these four CEOs about hiring, about firing, about how they grow a business, about concerns they have in the market, strengths they're seeing in the market. And I think it's a really cool opportunity to come in here from these four CEOs, and it's going to be hosted and presented by the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. We're going to probably educate people for like four minutes beforehand on, you know, it'll be four slides or something about the foundation and the mission. And then we will have this panel and a live Q&A. So we're pretty excited about it. So September 26th, noon, Lucid headquarters free, and lunch, you get lunch. I don't know what lunch will be yet, but sure it'll be delightful. I bet. Well, that's a good group. That's a good group. Yeah, of yeah. Great group. Of and they've been great to work with us. And, and Silicon Slopes has been great to say, hey, we'll include this in the newsletter. We'll do a podcast about it. So that's awesome. If I remember, right, there can be, what, 300, 400 people there. It's a big space. Yeah, right? it's a big space. They've got a smaller conference area that seats like 40 or 50, they said. And then they've got that big open area on the top floor there that yeah. if we have a bunch of people show up. So I'll share it on LinkedIn in the next few days. But please, please come to that September 26th, noon, Lucid Building. Very cool. So it's people like you doing things like this that eventually get that lifespan from 10 to 41. Yeah. And you know what's exciting about it? So we call it in the foundation the biggest success story in medicine because you literally in the 70s and 80s had life expectancy that was five years old, right? Kids wouldn't even go to kindergarten. And now it's 41. And just this last week, there was a major drug approved by the FDA that really for the first time treats the underlying cause of the disease. And so people are starting to whisper the cure word. And so we're really hopeful that with an extra focus here in the next five to 10 years that we can cure this thing and people can say they used to have this rather than they had to have a lung transplant or they passed away at 30 years old. So we're hopeful for the future for sure. All right. Very cool. Well, we've 
appreciated you being here and we're happy to support great causes like that. And uh, we're excited to see yet a new shiny office building go. Yeah, we're excited too. It was fun to be at the groundbreaking. They let our CFO and CEO and CMO into the uh, excavators, into the track hose there. That was a mistake. (laughs) There were several people maimed and no, that's a joke. But (laughs) it was a good time. We're excited to have a shiny new building. Very cool. All right, so again, that is uh, September 26th. It's at noon. Yep. And it's at the Lucid headquarters, and it's the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation's putting it on. And then it's Steve Daly, CEO of Avante, Carlson, CEO of Lucid, Rob Nelson, CEO of Grow.com, and Brock Blake, CEO of Lendio. Yep, and you don't need to sign up beforehand necessarily to come. Just show up. Follow me on LinkedIn, McKay Allen. Connect with me. I'll post on LinkedIn about it. Make sure that there's a link out there, and then we can put that in the podcast notes maybe as well. There's an Eventbrite link. It'll help us with food, obviously, with count stuff. But even if you haven't, just show up. We'd love to have you. All right. Well, thank you, McKay. It's been great talking to you and look forward to uh, this successful event. Thanks. Appreciate it, Garrett.